General Vagon has called the Battle of France is over. The Battle of Britain is about to begin. Welcome to the Lead Pursuit Podcast, a podcast covering Blood Red Skies, a game of World War II aerial combat. Good evening and thanks for joining us. Tonight we're going to give another preview, like we did of MIG Alley, but of the next generation of game that's coming out. It's called Airstrike. If you haven't listened to the podcast and heard us talk about it in the past, it's an introduction of air-to-ground rules into the Blood Red Skies universe. Now, before you get too excited that we're simulating close air support for Marines in Okinawa, or there's really highly detailed rules for hitting sub-pens and different uh, dams with bouncing bombs, it's a very bare-bones rule set. I know, Chris, you've taken a look at it. Brett, you've looked at it as well. Guys, were you surprised by how short and small the rule set was? I, I know for me, you know, I've been looking forward to attacking ground targets, and right now it's thin. Um, I've got hopes that, that you know, we're just we're seeing some initial stuff. I'm not saying it's bad. That's why I chose the word thin. It just it seems like it needs more. And okay. um and, and we'll we'll see how that develops as as time goes on. But it it and, and plus part of it for me too, and I know it has been for you guys too, is that everything we've been seeing so far has been kind of spread out in different locations. So we're reading multiple documents and multiple versions of documents trying to trying to put it all together. And I'm I'm thinking once it gets the warlord treatment and gets into one tome, it it's gonna be um much better. Yeah, I'd hate to think what it was like to read Warhammer rules that were just in a Word document instead of actually in a codex with pictures and diagrams and things to oh, help us Marines not eat the crayons that, that come along. That hurts my head. <laughs> <laughs> what, eating the crayons or figuring out 7th edition Warhammer? No, I like crayons. <laughs> <laughs> but so you like 7th edition as well because you play 30K. Apparently, you did one simplification of the rules. You, you do. 8th edition is for clowns. Oh, clown clown. Shoes. well, uh, I like clown is, shoes, is, and it plays it's, fast. It's silly so. and worthless. Oh, it is silly clown and shoes. Uh, okay. <laughs> hey, where's hate. where's that boot, or, uh, Chris, from podcast button? Let me find that now. <laughs> All right, Brett, I know you were going to say something serious in there. Well, I was just going to say, you know, I've read through it a bunch of times, and uh, I'm admittedly not super fast. I mean, I just about anything that comes in written instructions, I need to, to wrap fully wrap my head around it. I've got to you know, put my hands on it and play with it a bit. So uh, I, I don't want to make any strong. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Sorry, sorry. All right. I'm just going to leave that one unsaid. <laughs> yeah, let's not. That let's should just, go straight. laughing good enough. We'll push that one off to the All right, the well, table. hey. <laughs> uh, anyway, as Brett yeah. was saying before he wrapped his head around it, never mind. Oh, whatever. I got real, I got real tactile with it. Uh, <laughs> I've had too much to drink for you to keep doing this. <laughs> oh, this is why we don't drink beers before the podcast, boys. Hey. Okay, back on the subject. Okay, okay, okay. So, I, I, what I, I don't want to make any really uh, definite statements. It's certainly not in a negative because as I look at it, I, I'm pretty excited and satisfied as I read through it, and I'm seeing things like with the you know the flak mechanic and the terrain mechanic and the way the aircraft. Uh, behave and depending on what kind of ordnance they're delivering or what kind of aircraft they are or what kind of run they're making so uh, i feel like it's got some complexity there that you know i'm just really anxious to get my hands on it and work with and see how it plays out it looks to me like a lot of fun i compare that to some of the things we're thinking about for um you know our own custom missions and stuff like that that we're you know trying to develop and 
I see a lot of parallels and it's well, it yeah, there, pretty there's, cool. there's a lot of cool things uh, and you kind of have to break the pre-release information up into a couple categories. There's the core rules themselves, um, which we'll talk about in detail. Some of the concepts there's what I call the add on rules like flak or defensive flak, specifically terrain, things that you might use in some of the scenarios you might not. And they're, they're interesting additional concepts. Um, and then there's the actual target cards and the target rules for for the ground targets you strike, whether they're ships, trains, airfields, industrial facilities, whatever. The the kind of here's what we think the stats for those and the and the values of those are. Um, and so there's always a little bit of taking it with a grain of salt because you're sometimes comparing apples and oranges. You're comparing target cards from a previous revision with uh, with what you see now from the current revision and trying to figure out where the two roll out. What what I really enjoy, though, is that to me, it is added a little bit of complexity, but it's still boiled things down fairly simply. I mean, you have strafing attacks, you have bombing runs, you have torpedo runs, and you have dive bombing. And so it looks, it looks playable without being yeah, overly so, cumbersome. So you have four basic attacks there, of which if you really don't care about ships, we can throw away the torpedo run. Uh, but you've got four basic styles of attack in there, and, and each of them have some considerations. They still have all been um flight compressed into generally using the six inch range stick which is kind of a, a funny mechanic that i actually really kind of like um and, and i like the fact that uh you you sit there and still it's just like shooting a gun attack it's no different i you sit there yeah all right i can i can shoot a torpedo six inches i can run a level bomb attack six inches i can do a strafing attack six inches I think all of us realize the physics for every single one of those is different and it doesn't fall out to the same exact range. But once again, we have a firing template. Why would we choose three inches? You know, do we now need a three inch and a six inch? Six inch allows a, a little bit of, uh, of plausible, you know, or, or pushing the I believe button, as we would say, you know, if it's pressure we talked uh, about, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think one of the, the uh, pieces that's a little confusing when you read through the rules uh is it walks you through the different attacks somewhat sequentially in their complexity um but but it doesn't start you off with kind of here's the ground rule of all all air to ground actions because they are all very similar um but the cool thing is when you look at it you look at the assumptions for like a strafing attack and some of these other things we we get back into that mechanic of disadvantaged is a combination of being at low altitude and being in a bad position but to make a guy get down low enough to actually do a strafing attack, the only real way to categorize him in this rule set is disadvantaged. So I know some people are going to lose their mind immediately because that means the guy that's down at a thousand feet trying to strafe a truck uh, is automatically meat for everybody else to roll in on and shoot. What do you guys think about that? Uh, no, I mean, th that makes sense. I mean, when you rolled in and you were doing an attack, you were meat. I mean, that, that's if you didn't have the appropriate air cover at the time that you were executing maneuver in World War II, yes, exactly, you were meat. And I think and that's that. the exact key right there. What, what you said, the last part there is people look at the rules a lot of times and think about them in a vacuum with one airplane attacking, one defending. Uh, and they're not thinking about the fact that if you went in there in the 1940s and then if we extrapolate to Korea to the 1950s and everybody rolled in together, there was nobody watching anyone else's six. So you didn't attack that. Uh, so 
so that's absolutely one of the things of who cares if I'm disadvantaged. I certainly hope I've got a wingman who's neutral or advantaged somewhere back there, providing me wingman cover, keeping yeah, I mean, somebody from rolling right back in there. Reading, I'm sorry, go ahead, Brett. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Just uh, thinking that's why I think I stumbled there with a the long pause is um, as I imagine these things, I'm imagining a, a bomber element or some kind of ground strike element, but then there's the supporting, you know, escorts that are going to be involved. So. Right. Yeah. And and you're not so much denying someone a tailing shot and someone could still maneuver back in there and shoot at you, which they could have done in the real world. But the fact is there's somebody that's going to punish them immediately for for engaging you as you start your strafing. Run. But go as, ahead. As, so, as far as the actual as, as far as the actual run goes, I was thinking that that advantage mechanic is going to have more to do with uh, defensive fire and its effects on bombing aircraft than attacking. Well, hold aircraft. that thought and remind me remind me of that again. Uh, when we come back to it, because that's a question that's kind of unanswered uh, here, but we'll but we'll talk about. Chris, I know you had a, a comment about the the disadvantage mechanic. No, I was just saying I I like the disadvantage mechanic because it's going to force you to play it in a smart way. I, when we're writing scenarios, you need to be writing scenarios where it's not four Sturmoviks going to blow up the tanks against the entire Luftwaffe. Right. No, it's 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 four to six Sturmoviks going to attack tanks, and there's a couple yaks flying high cover. That's the way the Russians did it. It was defense in depth. You know, When the Sturmoviks were doing something, the, the fighters became just support for them. They would fly in high cap. They would watch what they were doing. And when Sturmoviks would roll in on a target, they would immediately turn into a giant wagon wheel. The first one would go in, and immediately upon releasing ordnance, he is making a hard turn to get behind the last Sturmovic in the line. Yeah. They can create this big wheel where if you were dumb enough to come down there in their wheel as a fighter and take a shot at them, there's going to be somebody behind you with yeah. some so, pretty big cannons. It might not that, be the best airplane in the world to shoot at you, but you're, you're turning into a tornado of gunfire. Yeah, people can make fun of that all they want, but let me tell you, real world is an F-18 trying to stick your nose into four A-10s doing what we call a MIG wheel out there, there's always a really big gun pointed at you, and he probably also had AIM-9s. So um, defensive tactics like that are absolutely uh, viable. Wouldn't have present, prevented necessarily me rolling in and shooting somebody, but it would have definitely meant if I did that, I would have exposed myself to a lot of other fire. Right. Yeah, all it takes is one cannon to make you have a very bad day. Yeah, one exactly. round from one cannon yeah. <laughs> to make you have a very bad day. Absolutely. Well, you know, so so... Brett brings up an interesting point. So the shoot down mechanic, let's just go there and start because because I think it's something that needs to be talked about from the earliest part of a strafing attack is you're already disadvantaged there. If Flack is shooting back at you and Flack hits you and you don't dodge, you die. Now, the the question that really I couldn't find in the rules is, is that considered post-attack or pre-attack? Is, is Flack shooting at you when you're down there, is it a defensive attack and is it considered to happen before you strafe or do you roll all of your dice, do your attack, and then the, uh, the, the defensive flak gets to fire at you? Um, actually, defensive flak, I should say, is that's, that's really shooting at other aircraft that are around there. Do, does the flak get to employ against you um, as you're at, at what point of that attack does it allow like an activation you? order yeah. like that we have yeah. with the skill Cause, level for cause the, aircraft. the wording in one of the older documents about defensive flak rules is it says against disadvantaged defend versus strafing attacks well i can read that as one of two ways defend could mean 
you're shooting a strafing attack, and by me shooting you, I'm able to defend against that attack, i.e. prevent it from happening. Uh, or the other thing is, does it mean defend in that I'm shooting you after you have already shot me? Um, it's almost like range. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's almost it's like you like, need an additional mechanic, like, you know, roll a D six on a three up. It, it happens simultaneous. Like it doesn't head on shooting attack or yeah. if it's three down, no, the defensive flag fires first. And if you get hit, buddy, you're gone. I mean, yeah. something like that would be a very good way to simplify that and, and make it a, you know what I'm saying? Not a, an even call almost so that you actually have something that could take place different ways. Cause flack wasn't, Black wasn't extremely effective in World War II. I mean, it was, but it wasn't. Well, so I mean, you, you so see. that's that's the other funny part is, thankfully, at least, it was in a previous version categorized into light and heavy flak. And now it's kind of, they talk a lot about light flak, um, and only in the terrain of the scenarios is where I see a reference to heavy flak. So we'll, we'll see how the mechanics change out, because when you're looking at a lot of the low-altitude performance of these aircraft, they threw a lot of up in front of them that didn't necessarily hit them that many times uh, for low altitude attack. But anyway, so so now they, they specify uh, light flak and then flak barrages. Right, absolutely. So really, what we're talking about is what some people incorrectly call flak. That is really anti just generic anti aircraft artillery. It's a lot of light stuff, whether it's twelve point seven millimeter machine guns, twenty mil uh, rounds being thrown up. A lot of a lot of things that are not barrage flak that is going to a certain altitude, detonating at that altitude, trying to create a wall. But anyway, so so I bring up the the strafing piece because this is a recurring theme with this rule set uh, for me. Just the way it's written is is I read through strafing and I don't really, you know, understand uh, how I can shoot and that I could even be shot at until I get down to the follow on sections where I, excuse me, if I skip past bombing and get to torpedoes, it in fact says you know. Um, torpedo bombers are subject to counterattack. So that's the first time that word is used by light flak attached to the target card, just as if they were making a strafing attack. Holy crap. Like, I didn't know I could get shot at by light flak after reading the strafing rules. I mean, come on, it's implied. We know that. But one of the, one of the points I think is this moves from beta to being tightened up is, is using consistent wording, saying the same thing. Aircraft that are strafing are subject to a counterattack by light flak aircraft that are, Excuse me, torpedo attack are subject to a counterattack by light flak because then it makes it obvious it's a counterattack. The the effects of your air to ground ordnance happen before, um, b before the flak takes takes any effect on you. So, I think uh, I think it's just an interesting choice of wording, uh, and where it's not necessarily covered in detail. Um, thankfully, under dive dive bombing, it uses the same counterattack wording, which makes sense. But see something saying that it works. Uh, effectively as a head-on shot so that makes i mean without reading further as we're talking here i would think maybe it's a mechanic where you know you make your strafing run and then just like if you were shooting first in a head-on then you're the defender if you want to call it that then rolls to see if they get a chance to shoot back right well so i i think there's kind of like chris said i think there might be used to a mechanic to determine is the flak prior or post attack? And maybe it's 50 50 because we just want to simplify it and make it an easy game. Um, maybe it has something to do with the uh, the the cards you have. Maybe you're maybe you should partition dice up and you go, okay, I've got four light flak dice. I want to shoot two pre, two post. Or I want to put all four out in front of you. 
Um, yeah. You know, and maybe I, it's a mechanic where it's one, two before, two, three during at the same time. And yeah, so it's simultaneous. I mean, we got six yeah. sided dice, yeah. so that's yeah, there's, a, there's, a one to three mechanic is perfect. Yeah. So, so I think that's an interesting thing to think about is that um, using light flack as a revenge mechanic is is pretty good here. Um, but I think it also takes away some of the stories where dudes were inbound to the target about to release their weapons and the fact that there was, you know, four flak wagons out in the front lawn of the uh, Gestapo headquarters suddenly made it a very bad day for them before they got to their weapons room. But anyway, so that's one thing to think about. And and like you said, Brett, you know, hey, I think it makes it easy to be set up and to be shot down because you're already disadvantaged. Well, let's skip a couple things and let's go to dive bomb rules. Because dive bombing actually allows you to attack and not be disadvantaged. So you can start neutral. You can start advantaged. You can burn advantage. And the more advantage you burn to get lower, uh, if you end up disadvantaged after it burns, it gives you more firepower, basically simulating. I mean, that dive for longer, you know, hitting bigger targets. Um, but I could theoretically be neutral making this attack if I had gone burn advantage from advantage to neutral uh so the best light flak can do on this dive bomb attack is give me a boom chit can't shoot me down right because he's gonna he's gonna roll he's gonna hit me it's gonna give me a boom chit i'm going to then roll and defend and even if i fail my defense i just go from neutral to disadvantaged interesting interesting thought there so yeah well it makes sense too when you just talk about mechanics you know when you talk about the physics of how flak works it's going to a predetermined attitude and i know that i've read accounts where shooting at dive bombers was extremely difficult oh absolutely a dive right. bomber is changing its altitude so rapidly that it's it's not like shooting at a level bomber like a b-17 okay they're at twenty thousand feet today i can tell that from holding up my little freaking range guide yeah exactly. and i set my flak to twenty thousand feet but a dive bomber is going you know, thousands of feet very quickly, and it's it's flax not very effective. You know, ground fire was typically more effective against um, dive bombs. Well, and, and, so and they have flax. different pilot actions for the different types of strikes too. If I'm not mistaken, dive bombing is a separate pilot action from strafing, bombing, or torpedo running. If I'm right, so, and mistaken. and with dive bombing, you have to actually burn advantage. So yep. so you you can't start and dive bomb from disadvantage because you have nowhere obviously to burn. Uh, so if you, if you roll into this as an advantaged aircraft, you're like, I want to burn advantage and I want to burn it all the way down to disadvantage because I need extra firepower dice. Uh, cause maybe it's a hardened target, moving target. Any one of these things we'll talk about that can take away your firepower dice. Um, and it's kind of cool cause if you are a dive bomber, uh, as if that is your category in there, you can make a minimum move of zero, which is awesome. So you can be the Stuka in an 89 degree dive. Good luck with that. Uh, <laughs> you probably but, have to dive as a pilot action to do that though first, right? Well, so what you have to do, uh, the wording for it is they execute a dive bomb pilot action if they're playing burned advantage to dive. So you have to dive, but by the way, it says is because you're a dive bomber, you can make that as a zero oh, air brakes. Uh, that's right. Right. That's yes, right. you use it. So it, it kind of goes back to the question of all right, do I have to set myself up way out for this diving attack? No, you don't, because if you're truly a dive bomber, then guess what? You're doing this. You can only do this kind of attack if you have the dive bomber trait. And if you have that trait, you can do a zero move. So just burn advantage right. and move zero. Yeah, exactly. Right. Move zero, say I'm quote diving, but I'm a dive bomber. So I'm going to move zero, burn down to disadvantage and get the extra firepower dice. Of course, exposing yourself to, to light flak. So that's it. Not to stay stuck on the whole flak piece, but I seem to remember reading something about an alert status that might have some impact on the mechanic or maybe the, the, the action order. So that's something that you see uh 
uh, in the target cards, they have alert bonuses out there. It's not in the latest target cards uh, attributes spreadsheet. Uh, at least that I didn't see it uh, sitting in there. They just have um, your light flak dice, your number of, uh, of point hits in area or hole hits, uh, whatever qualities you have. Uh, but that is referred to in some of the actual other files. So, and I'm going to show my ignorance here because I believe it's in a scenario that it first talked about it. Um, but it covers the ability to, to when you can start firing flak, when the alert is sounded. Uh, and let me see if I can find it here real quick in airstrike. I know that it was under, I think it was probably under either the scenarios or the terrain rules. Let's see here. Scenario. I think I found something about it under, um, just between where it describes light flak and flak barrages. It says most target cards have an alert bonus to their light flak. Okay. So that's, that was in, uh, you can find it in the scenarios in that full rules compilation. Uh, that's no longer in the set of rules that I got in this latest okay. uh, burn down. So that's the interesting thing is light flak, that, that flak information um, isn't covered in that same section of the rules. Now, I, I think it probably is in there with a lot of the other things that, that these, these beta leaks that we're seeing uh, are chunks that have been knocked fairly smooth. Uh, and I'm sure there's still some work going on into the flaks and, and how that works. But you're right, because there's an alert bonus um, which basically says, all right, now the triple or the anti-aircraft guns are going to be fully manned, loaded, so it's much more dangerous than um, than multiple, uh, than just the regular flak. Uh, it doesn't really go into it other than that you, I assume it's just a bonus die if you have like a plus one alert bonus. So it says basically yes. your, your light flak is that much more accurate um, or has that much more firepower. Um, but yeah, that's, that isn't really covered. Um, I, I didn't see it covered in the new cards. Okay. Well, it's probably a good idea to clarify for the listener. We're not looking at, you know, any kind of finished product. We're just looking at beta rules and some of the oh, yeah. stuff we have yeah. is changing if, as we speak. If so. you want the exact same information we have, <laughs> not like we have some super secret access, go onto Facebook, blood red skies, ready room. If you're not a member quest to join, get you in there. And in the ready room, there's a files listing, just like any Facebook group. And so go take a look at that files listing. Uh, the last two that have been uploaded are the latest beta version of the rules and the beta version of the target cards. Uh, and those things can walk you through and, and give you an idea of what we're looking at. Um, and there's some older versions on there as well. So uh, sometimes the files are, are not easy to find on, on the, uh, the ready room. They sometimes get you know knocked down a couple levels. Uh, but all the files that we're reading out of uh, have come right out of that library of files. So that's that's kind of our uh, our gouge and our secret leaks uh, that some individuals there have been sending us. Um, but we know it's it's pretty close to what uh, what Andy has been putting forward to the Warlord team. We talked a little bit about the different pilot. You know, we didn't go into great detail on any one of them really. Maybe more on strafing. Besides the different types of pilot actions like torpedo run, strafing, bombing, whatever. There's also a lot of different target effects based on the kind of pilot action you're taking. I mean, uh, if I'm not mistaken, strafing has different target effects than high altitude bombing. Sure. And so so I think that really kind of begets a discussion uh, of the two kinds of, well, I'll call them hull points, for lack of a, a better term, that these target cards have. 
So you might you, not be, you might, might not use that because there's a yeah, whole damage. There's a whole, there's a whole list, you know, yeah. <laughs> I'm trying to put it in 40K terms for all the 40K <laughs> kids that are out there. Things they understand, whole points. Armor saves, no. Uh, but, <laughs> but if you look at it, there's each of the targets will have point hits or what's called an area or hull hit. And that's, uh, it gets a little confusing in some of the wording. If you, if you don't look at the target cards first and you realize area and hull hits are the same thing, they can just get caused in different ways by different weapons. Um, so if you looked at, let's say, a good example is a rail bridge. It has two point hits, but it has four area hits. Uh, you look at some of the other things, like a torpedo boat has one point hit and one area hit. Um, you know, you get up to things like air bases that have four of each. Now, I, I couldn't find any degradation effects as you lose any of these things. Uh, so so I, I don't think that they're going to lose light flak firepower as you take more area hits, or nor have they defined that, hey, point hits count as, as flak emplacements you're taking out. Um, but pretty much all the targets have both hits. Now, it doesn't say it unless I missed it somewhere, but it looked to me like... Or, or the implication I read is it takes both point and area hits, question mark. <laughs> you know, I realize for a ship, it makes sense that when I do all area hits to it and I knock its hull out, that it's destroyed. But, um, but what happens to a airfield if I knock out all four point hits? Because point hits are defined as uh, individual targets like emplacements, vehicles, or aircraft, which can be damaged with precision hits or by saturating with lots of bombs. Area hits are larger targets, difficult to damage. Runways, bridges, rail junctions, large construction. So they're, they're mutually exclusive target sets, but what I don't have a good feeling of, and maybe it's in the scenarios and just shows my ignorance of the scenarios, is do I, do I win by hitting all of them? Do I win by destroying a target, or is it a, a percentage of hits? And well, Right. Yeah, I'm not super knowledgeable on this, but it, I can see where you're going with that. It could be a victory condition. could be, you know, if you're doing a, a mission on a your target being an airfield, that you've got to do a certain number of the area hits as well as a certain number of the point hits to, to win a victory by a certain number of turns or something, maybe. I'm speculating. Right. And, you know, looking right now at, uh, at Scenario 7, Priority Target, uh, when you look at the victory conditions, it, it says target's destroyed, target is undamaged, or target is damaged. And so I just kind of, I, I look at that and I scratch my head and go, oh, so. That was going to be the thing I was going to ask you is if you had a sense and could walk us through what a, uh, what an example of a target being destroyed, how that would look like, but I don't think we yet know, right? That's still. Well, so, so this is the, the confusing part um, because in the victory, there's victory conditions, there's three things that can happen. Destroyed, undamaged, or damaged. Okay, that's fine. It's, you know, things like if the target's destroyed, attacking player wins. Undamaged, defending player wins. If the target is damaged but not destroyed, count up victory points. And so you scroll on down to the bottom, and then it refers to each point hit scored in the target card is two victory points. Each area hit scored is four victory points. And I have to roll back and I go, so 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 how do I do both? You know, is it is it possible to to go out there with a uh, with a pure bomber force and be able to take out point hits because when you look at it, that's exactly what you do strafing runs for is for for point hits. So if you go back out to bombers and you you're not using their 
they're bombing for uh, for altitude. Um, you're basically going to take a look at it and you say, okay, um, if I success, I get an area hit on the target. But if I get a critical success, I get an area hit and a point hit. So kind of kind of adds a moment for pause there. Go, I can't target the four point hits I might need on an airfield. So if an airfield's four points in four areas, I can't target it. But if I hit it enough and get enough critical successes, I will take out all those point targets, if that makes so sense. A whole new mechanic compared to just a boom chit thing we've been used to, or the you know, the few bomber missions we've had where I simply had to just get to the other end of the board. This is a whole new Yeah. And so so it's gonna make one of these these really interesting pieces that um there either may become a point of can't get there from here, i.e. we all the bombers in the game have dropped their bombs. And if you think about it, if you have three bombers, you can't take out an airfield. Best case, I can get a critical success with each one of those attacks, and I will get three points and three areas. And I've so that multiple means, elements of at least right, two. two right. So, bombers, yeah. yeah. So that's where um where there's just gotta kind of be a balance where where it talks about the the number of bombers you want in the scenario versus what those aircraft can do. And you got to kind of match it to your card because you if you're not careful, you just may not be able to get there from here. <laughs> yeah, the and when I was looking at that, I was thinking about, you know, this game's supposed to keep things simple. And I was thinking about simple mechanics that would create more granularity and almost house ruling something, or, you know, maybe you're some somebody will even like this, but taking it to where if you had a critical success where you had an additional die roll where it was a support trestle hit on a bridge it was a magazine hit on a ship it was a crossing runway hit on the airfield sure, yeah. where yeah, you, you were that you were precisely where it, it needs it, to be to, exactly you that luck you know that moment when that that sbd puts that you know bomb right through the freaking hangar of the freaking you know akagi and hits all those aircraft loaded with fuel and boom we lose a carrier that that i i think that with the six-sided die that there's some really simple mechanics that could be thrown in on each of these that would just get make the game have more narrative drama is i think what i'm looking for well so so that you know when you just talk about hits and critical hits and and just one through four it's just a little vanilla for me (laughs) and i I, i'm taking i'm coming from a different place i'm coming from 30k and that's exactly going to be my point is that there's there's the moment when the one dude with a rocket launcher shoots halfway across the board hits a large vehicle penetrates it and blows it up and you go didn't see that coming yeah the Uh, last trooper with a plasma rifle Yeah, exactly. Glances the last hole point on a knight, and then the knight's roll, it wanders forward into the line of guardsmen that the guy just glanced a point from and blows up all the guardsmen as it detonates in the ground. I mean, I know we're not going to get to that level of granularity. Well, but but I think if if we keep thinking about that, those are some of the frustrations because because I'm used to games with that where you go, I can't believe I just did something so stupid as to kill my entire front line by actually killing the enemy. Uh, But... But some of those things are what we miss. It's it's like what we brought up with the uh, with the four engine bombers. That if I'm an advantaged fighter back there, there is no chance. Actually, advantaged or neutral, there is no chance a single bomber can shoot me down on any single pass. Not possible. There yep. there is no game mechanic to get us there. So so you already missed some of that drama. And you go, what yep. about the having the ace gunners that just gunned that one of you know, that was rolling? I, I just up? I was I'm reading a book on the Solomon Islands right now, and I, and I read an account where. 
there was a, a zero that rolled in on a ridge and was trying to you know shoot up marines and it shot up the marines and the japanese are like cheering and they realize in the last second that the pilots become completely target affixed and it flies right over the marines and crashes into their yeah. lines <laughs> i mean crap like that happening you know Bonsai! <laughs> Bonsai! <laughs> <My zero. laughs> yeah exactly so so and, and when you when you keep extrapolating that same mechanic it's it's the same question about so light flak can't shoot down a dive bomber that comes off at neutral instead of going all the way to disadvantaged just not possible um he, he can't get knocked down below disadvantage uh and here in the same case there's there's a, a point where i just i can't get there from here uh with the bomb loads i have and you, and you just kind of sit there and you go okay i get it but i wish there was that catastrophic moment where if i roll you know a, a catastrophic hit instead of a, a critical hit and i get all sixes then guess what it eliminates the target in one pass you know exactly like you get the pin and then you get the six on the freaking pin yeah. table yeah, and the boom, same explodes yes. result yep hey brett that's uh you know 30k seventh edition you you probably haven't played that in a while so. <laughs> <laughs> i feel bad because i haven't played it either since the depticon so I, I hear there's this game called the horus heresy where we play with old warhammer rules um yeah haven't haven't played it so um yeah. but yeah it's so, a fun game and that's and that's one of those things that that I, I pick on Andy and I pick on the rules about this, but it's something you're going to have to give up. You, you have to give up just like that same level of granularity of wanting really realistic simulations of aircraft energy. I'm giving that up to have a fun game. I'm, I'm giving up the ability to have that sniper tail gunner shot to have a fun game. So uh, am I sore about those things? No. Did I wish it was there? Sure. Is that what house rules are for? Absolutely. Um, I think we've made the point on this podcast more than once that, uh, they're not going to show up and steal your models <laughs> and box up your game set and take it home if you make house rules. No, I mean, we had Andy on the show and he said, buy models from third party people and I'll give you cards. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> exactly. he wants to, guy. Out, wants to go out and try something. So exactly. make a house rule. And, and you know, I guess my point is make a house rule and share it in the Blood Red Skies Red Room. Because we've had some great discussions recently about things that, that guys want to tweak one way or the other in the rules. And guys will get real passionate about you know, is that a, is that a needed tweak or is that not? The point is, if you guys want to do it in your own game, then absolutely do it. Add, add a critical dodge, add, you know, a catastrophic hit to, to ground attack um, and, and play the game the way you want to, to fit the narrative. Because at the same time, while we keep saying, I wonder what the, the meta for the, the, the competitive gaming scene is going to be. I don't care. I want narrative players in this game. Uh, I know no, some of you want competitive, but I don't. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm the same way. And you know, I, I completely will admit that I'm I'm coming at this one from 30k, and I'm also coming at this from a being a person that loves planes that are mud movers and don't shoot down other planes. I mean, I, I just I'm fascinated by that, and and that's probably why I want such a level of granularity. And you're right, there are some things you got to give up. You know, the fighter guys have given up managing energy states and have a really compressed stat line for firepower so I, I i get it we're we're trying to keep the game simple we're trying to keep the game playable and that like you said that's where house rules come in and that's where if that's your thing it's something that you you know you and your group can throw that in there and and play it that way right well it's also some additional additional details in there that looked interesting for uh i think they're called target qualities i was that... exactly going to start talking about that because that also changes the whole dynamic of some of this think so i mean we talked a little bit about uh you know a catastrophic 
role or something like that. But there, there is a, you know, if you have a critical success roles, it has impacts on the target or target some certain target qualities require critical success in order to take, suffer damage. You want to talk about those? Yeah. So, so we'll start with the, the most zero like one, just like the vulnerable one, there's volatile. Uh, so volatile, while it doesn't mean you're going to blow up the whole place at once, it at least allows you to add plus one firepower die. So, so if you've got you know, POL sites, uh, ammunition storage facilities, things like that are going to be volatile. So it means you're at least going to get an extra die. I think that maybe uh, I would make a recommendation. Maybe some of these should be uh, volatile with a number behind them, like some of the other ones. So when you're hitting a uh, like a rail yard, that should probably be like volatile three, because uh, if you sneeze, you'll probably find something to explode. Um, but but as you go to the, some of the other effects, you'll see they'll have a number after them. Like a good example is mobile with a number. So like mobile one, mobile two. And you're like, why does it have a number? Well, is it how fast it is? Is it no? Because the target isn't moving on the board. But what it is, is it's how many firepower dice you lose. So you can move uh, in this current set, you know, move that target marker a number of inches equal to that at the end of the turn. I really think that at this scale, you're, you're not going to dramatically change how things go by moving a mobile target. The success of a mobile target is that bombing runs will suffer a minus penalty in firepower. Um, and if it's actually a ship, it doubles it. So if you think about that, think about... Uh, you know, not just hitting a convoy on the road, but if you're trying to hit a ship that's all of a sudden uh, putting, you know, full hard rudder turns in and things and is trying to defeat, especially bombing attacks, not a torpedo attack, uh, it's going to have you know, huge implications there. So those are kind of cool. Um, there's other ones like Armored, which allow you, you know, to, to defend against strafing dice and basically just ignore some of the dice that are in the attack. Uh, hardened targets, similar to Armored, but just defeats bombing runs. Um, instead of uh instead of strafing attack and and one point of clarification uh i don't think the wording is said there i'm gonna check um but but it, my understanding is a dive bomb attack is a bombing run so if you're you're employing the same kind of ordinance so if you're doing a dive bomb then if you're attacking a hardened target not an armored target you're still losing uh, some some firepower dice there. We'll have to see if, if Andy and the guys weigh in on that uh, or if they change the wording. Um, but yeah, there's there's a lot of qualities out there that are kind of interesting. And, I, you know, I I hate to say this because, uh, you know, looking at some other people's add-ons to the rule. We lost Doug. <laughs> okay, Lord, hey, you're closer. Launch the SAR Hilo. <laughs> We're not doing too bad for a bunch of randos that just read through some uh, beta rules and are just talking about it. it almost seems like we have notes yeah exactly i think we're doing great the one thing i didn't see brett until doug comes back is did you see anything that was adding granularity on like different weapon types there's a whole section about the type of the type of ordinance you use you get bonus firepower for different types of ordinance depending on what you're doing Okay. Uh, like, uh, okay. And, and of course, forgive me because my knowledge is not great on this stuff, but like strafing. So that, I think the yeah. idea is like, I was imagining you could, you could strafe with a one Oh nine, right. doesn't have mm -hmm. to be a bomber. And Oh, by the way, one Oh nines could also have a bomb, right? So you could, if you had a bomb. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, if let's say a, maybe something more like normal would be like a JU 88 or something, yeah. you can make a strafing run, but it could also carry bombs clearly. 
uh, I guess having some additional ordnance gives you additional firepower for your strafing okay. run because the idea is like you're going to strafe with your guns and drop a bomb or something. And I think there's some other things like that too. You know, torpedoes yeah, was, have some advantages or some weapon effects. Yeah, was there like is that's what I was wondering? Is there like a long lance torpedo for the Type 93 for the the Japanese? I don't know about the aircraft specifically, but okay. I think it's going to be on their cards. It did. There was a note I saw somewhere like some aircraft had two torpedoes, like the HE-111 was equipped to drop uh, two torpedoes, and 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 okay. you could do that. It it makes it it gives you that difference, and I think it might have said something like re refer to it. It'll be indicated on the aircraft data card or something like that. Okay, uh, that, that makes sense. But yeah, I was just wondering if there were like depending. specific, and I just didn't see it in there. I looked, but I didn't see like specific types of weapons or anything like that. Yeah, you get so, so, so even just like a normal bomb run, you get um, you get extra firepower depending on what kind of bomber it is. So there's a big difference between a light bomber and what a heavy bomber gets. I think you get like additional firepower points. Yeah, that makes sense. It looks like Doug is completely out. <laughs> oh, yes, yeah, internet's crashed. Well, that's says, a bummer. Says, yeah, you guys keep talking and shut off the bot when you're done. <laughs> oh man, what a bummer. Hey, you know, clean up the store and take off when you guys are done. You know what we can do is we can just cap this. We can talk a little bit more and then just, just I'm back, it. bitches. Oh, he's Fucking so, Hargrave Internet, the worst piece of goddamn Oh, they are. Shit. They are. God. They are. I haven't heard that oh. in forever. That's what I had when I was on a lady's island. Oh, it's fucking horrible. Horrible, <laughs> I tell you. I'd rather have a can and a string for my internet. It'd be better. Yeah, I'd have I, an AOL yeah. dial-up. It'd be better than this. I, yeah, I told Brett. I said, you're closer. Launch the SAR Hilo. We yeah, lost no God. shit. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like it, it goes disconnected. And I look at it for a moment. I go, huh, it's going to come back. And it just keeps beeping. And beeping, I look at my internet icon and it's just spinning, and I'm like, motherfucking hard gray. <laughs> God. All right. Well, we, I, I was wondering for a minute if you if we had some like some some you know warlord was jamming us, but then again I remember we weren't talking about a games workshop product. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, I bought my contrast paints, damn it. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> you gotta cease and desist and they pull the plug on your internet. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Screw you guys. Oh shit. So I have no idea what the last thing you heard me pontificating about was and i really don't care who gives it was yeah, something we were, about we critical hits with weapons and I, then i was asking doug if because i'll be honest i I've, I've read this but what i was looking for was was their weapon granularity because the one thing i kept asking myself is i'm like reading all this and i'm like it's making it sound i mean i know we got the one two and three for firepower is typically the way this is going to be done even with ground attack but are there going to be bonuses for certain weapons types like you know, so like the, the long lance look like there with the is. Japanese. Right. So but it doesn't look like a superior weapon. It doesn't there look kinda like there is, but okay. it doesn't doesn't seem to say that there couldn't be. I mean, yeah. kind of, I mean, I kind of count the firepower for bomb loads details as being kind of a weapon speciality stuff. And then you thought you talk about like um the ordnance bonuses for strafing and then the well, yeah, so, so torpedo that's, special that's a, stuff and dive bombing special stuff. Well, I, I guess I was looking at it from a from a different angle that the there's not a granularity of weapons here. It's granular granularity of airplanes. So you're if, right. You're right. If I want to bring more or less firepower, I bring a different kind of bomber. So you know, yeah. heavy four engine guys have four firepower. Twin engine guys two singles one firepower. Uh, doesn't matter. They can all hit area targets, and if they get a a critical success, they get an area and a point target. Doesn't matter. Um, which is is one of the 
um, one of the confusions, and I'm trying to reread this and see if I missed it somewhere. But if I hit a target with a four engine bomber, yeah, I get four firepower, but I still have no opportunity to do extra successes other than like I said, the critical success to get a target or to get an area and a uh, point hit. Yeah. So that's fine. Um, the, and I'm glad you brought it up, Brett. I really think the uh, strafing ordinance, basically rockets, uh, that's pretty damn cool. Uh, that basically on that attack, you run in, you shoot your rockets. It's kind of a, it doesn't say it's a one-time use, but I think it's intended to be a one-time use and it gives you two extra firepower attack on that, that one only. Um, it would make sense. It was a one-time use. I mean, I can, everybody I can, I can, carried eight rockets and they let them go in one box. Yeah. But I, I can I, put a bomb on my uh, 109F. Yes, and, you could. <laughs> and you can put them on your Focalops too, because the Hitler was an idiot and he tried to turn everything into a bomber. You know, here's, here's the point where I get frustrated though, is that it, it counts as a laden aircraft. I'm like, son of a bitch. I'm tagged with laden again, just for taking these damn rockets. Uh, they basically become yeah. fighters until they make their run. Right. I mean, bombers until they make their run. So you still yeah, have to so, have an escort. Yeah. So, so, you know, it's funny and, and I, and I get it. You got to have a counterbalance there. Cause otherwise everyone's just going to show up in fighters with rockets and, and have a good time. Uh, but it's just so frustrating for me because it's the iconic look of a Marine Corps corsair yep. shooting rockets in the middle of a strafing pass i'm like i want to be that badass uh and well i hate to fly a laden aircraft so i don't really want to be that yeah. badass <laughs> well you know i, I thinking back on that long pause and you're saying you know what do we think about people who are going to argue that this is uh you know i'm disadvantaged in making a bomb run and, and i was kind of like wait a minute i don't what am i missing because my whole perspective is just from reading all this malta stuff i mean these these raids were eight ju 88s and 40 109 f's you know and so i don't think there's a i don't think it's gonna be uh, as big a problem if you're playing it well i don't know if, i can't say playing it right but you know what i mean that's kind of my perspective it's like yeah you're gonna have bombers but that's not gonna be the only thing on the table you would have escorts or something unless well, it's right a scenario so that especially for multi-engine bombers i think I think my concern or, or where some people might run into a concern is the thing about just kind of fighter bomber missions. Uh, and it kind of goes back to the, the mechanics question of if a P 38 is out there on Normandy doing interdiction missions, you know, shooting up convoys and it has to behave like a multi-engine airplane, you know, that poor dude's going to be in the shoot and he's going to have a Focke-Wulf roll in behind him. Well, that was a real world concern. You know, if, if he's out there by himself pummeling the target, He's not going to be able to guard his own six. <laughs> Sucks to be him. You think about the scenarios. You want to talk about those at all? So we can. So what I will say is to manage expectations, the scenarios are a really cool mix, not of all air to ground. So so don't think that the scenarios that you're going to see in Airstrike are all going to be air to ground centric. It's Remember, Airstrike is kind of recompiling some of the FAQs and some of the errata and, and fixing some things in the game and adding the ground attack piece to it. So the new scenarios that are coming out, I think are really cool. I think they have some, some neat uh, special rules to them, uh, but there's still some fighter stuff in there, at least the first two. So scenario five, kind of the one I like clubbing baby seals uh, transport hunt. And of course, you know, me, who's kind of a big Mediterranean theater kind of guy, uh, Palm Sunday massacre, Poor, you know, JU-52s and everything else trying to roll across uh, the med uh, as they're having fighters roll in over the top of them. 
to shoot them down, not even making it to the beach line. Uh, you know, things like that are what this mission is about. The, uh, the cool part is you'll b go out there and deploy as the escort. Um, the interceptor puts one of their elements out there and the battle is kind of joined at that point. And then you have to go actually search for transports because once again, the, the assumption is the transports are down low over the water trying to sneak in, uh, but you're trying not to get shot down by all the escorts that are either on the board or in high cover. Um, and then, you know, once you go into each one of the, uh, the areas and do a search in there, uh, it's a pilot action. So rather than climbing for advantage, shooting, uh, outmaneuvering, you can make a uh, pilot skill test and see if you've uh, spotted any aircraft. And then once they're spotted, the escorting player uh, then has to deploy a, a number of aircraft within 12 inches uh, of the searching pilot um, and obviously not on a table edge. So they can't run away immediately um, and they're disadvantaged. So they are just seals Dunks. waiting to be clubbed <laughs> <laughs> what's well, funny um, that's one of the very first missions you talked to me about i think you sent me some artwork or something from yeah. a museum about it when we were first really kicking around the idea of doing something in the mediterranean that's your fault really doug you were the one that said hey you know mediterranean you should think mediterranean i didn't know jack about the mediterranean i was thinking like you know north africa stuff but man this has been awesome as i dig into this malta idea uh, I'm, I get so geeked out and I've learned so much. And, and I think these scenarios, every single one of these scenarios I read, with the exception of the Palm Sunday one, because that's not necessarily Malta, but certainly Mediterranean, uh, it, I, it really turns me on to, man, all of these missions are like perfect for a Malta campaign. Right. And a lot of them will absolutely you know, fit into some things that we're trying to do. I, I, you know, when you talk about the, the photos I sent you, I was uh, up at an air museum uh, up uh, near Oxford, Connecticut, and, you know, had this entire section devoted to one of the air wings and showing, you know, all the different, you know, types of aircraft and types of missions they flew. And, and it was just fascinating to sit there and, and read about uh, the Palm Sunday Massacre and, the, and all the different kinds of aircraft. Because the reason I kind of liked it is it was, it was an air battle where a lot of different varieties of aircraft got in on the escort and on the interceptor side. Uh, and so it, you really could play kind of whatever you brought to the board. Um, and it, and it didn't mean you had to have a specific, uh, air army. Are you um, gladiators? Uh, no gladiators. <laughs> no, not. that's an insane. We banning gladiators and swordfish. Yeah. <laughs> the swordfish and the gladiator will never be in a scenario. I produce if I have anything to say about it. Uh, <laughs> I'm making night witches at some point. You can just shoot them down. That's just, yeah, you, you yeah. can do it, but yeah, you, you have at it whatever and you can you can bring your your po's over in uh korea as well and we'll just shoot them down with night fighters so, <laughs> good luck with that have fun um, no i i sorry i'm sorry i have to draw the line somewhere and at you know propeller driven horrible biplane fighters and uh torpedo aircraft just because you sank the italian navy i don't care it was the Italian Navy. It was built by yeah. Fiat. You know, found exactly. Failed <laughs> Italian attempted transportation. Isn't that what yep. Fiat stands for? Exactly. All right. So let's talk about one of the other scenarios. Um, so we talked about the uh, the Palm Sunday Massacre, the kind of the, the um, transport bopping scenario. There's a high altitude intercept scenario, which is pretty cool because it just changes a little one. bit about how you do uh, some of the, the bomber escort piece. Um, but you know, once again, it isn't changing any of the core mechanics of the game. Of the game. It still, um, you know, has a lot of the rules for the for the bombers that are in there, but it allows your interceptors to behave differently uh, in high cover, which I think is pretty cool. 
like how the uh, the defender has to basically climb to altitude. Like once the alert comes in, these bombers are inbound. Just like in Malta, I'm thinking you exactly. have to fly to the south to get the altitude so they can make a quick turn and be at the same altitude in time to make a difference. Well, and the other piece is just because you were a fighter with a really big engine didn't mean you were any good at high altitude. Uh, if the aircraft wasn't you know tuned for that, then it was a, a problem. So once right. again, if you're an aircraft without the great climb card and you're trying to climb for advantage here, the assumption is, Getting to an advantage state is already something well above a standard game's advantage state. We're really working in the high altitude bands here. So you have to pass a maneuver check to do it unless you have a great climb card. So it, it really helps break out some of the, the higher altitude capabilities of these aircraft and, uh, and, and makes it an interesting challenge. That's what I'm appreciating about these scenarios. Even if they don't really have a very overt airstrike component to it, they have these, these, um, you know, these I think, thoughtful mission things added in whether it's part of the deployment or like you said some special rule about altitude the way aircraft are going to perform that sets a, a cool narrative i think yeah yeah uh you've got uh, scenario seven priority target really a, a good basic intro to to how um generic ground attack would work for an interdiction mission and i'll say it again remember these are interdiction strikes they are not close air support you're not going to find scenarios where where you're rolling in uh, in mass, and I'll say in mass, and doing close air support uh, for ground troops. We'll come back to that talking about scenario 10, but it's kind of a special beast in there. Scenario eight, sneak attack, uh, really cool because this is one that that plays on this whole alert status. And um, you know, as the attacker, you, you kind of have to uh, build an attack plan for a turn number and table edges you're gonna arrive. And so, so there's a little bit of sneakiness to this whole attack. Um, and then once again, you know, as the defender, how are you going to uh, to make sure that that you've got the right aircraft that can begin arriving in the area once the alert has sounded? Because once again, you as a defender, you don't deploy any elements of your aircraft at the beginning. Uh, they only show up when the alert has sounded. And so there's a cool twist to it that obviously plays well into a multi scenario or, or really any airfield attack. Um, but you can put basically a ground strip alert out there on one of your airfields. So I was thinking like, Battle of Britain when I read that one. I was yeah, just you, remembering you, that video we watched, you know, what it was the, the the 12 hours or how many hours that saved Britain. So that that one that, that goes moment to moment and shows all the aircraft moving around and the way they were vectoring everything and putting certain people in relief, putting certain people in reserve and managing that air fight at a at a strategic level. That That's what that mission made me think of. Yeah. These are definitely theater nonspecific. I can't help but think of Malta just because I've been so you know in the weeds with it that uh, as soon as I read these, I'm like, oh man, I'm imagining you know recounts of things I've read from books and comparing it to this scenario and thinking, oh, this is exactly <laughs> it, like this wave it, or whatever. It's funny you say that because I think it's it is exactly that. It's based on what you're reading because I'm I'm just doing all this Solomon Island, Guadalcanal, and as I'm reading through this stuff again today, it, it, in my head, I'm just relating it to those things. So, so I mean, that is one strength of it. It is, I hate the word generic, but it is, it is loose enough or it is, it is pliable enough that it can be played in several different narrative scenarios. Very, very that applicable. That is the one good thing. Exactly. Well, and, and that's a strength and, and a little bit of a, of a weakness because um, you, you get the generic scenarios in the box set and it really lays out exactly the pilot skills and exactly the aircraft that you're going to use and how they're broken down into elements. Uh, and then when you, and, and those are always listed as suggested elements, but it, it gives you a good starting point. And then you roll into some of these and, and it literally says, you know, the attacking player has two plus elements with at least two aircraft assigned to each. 
Uh, they got to be from the same squadron. Attacking player gets an extra element of bombers uh, for every two elements of the attackers deployed, and then tells you the kind you can pick. So, so you still have to have a discussion about pilot skill balancing and how you do that. And I think that's a that's a separate topic uh, for game balance and for for kind of how you and your house rules want to do it. Because I know Brett, you and I, uh, the last time we played two weeks ago, we we changed the point values a little. We kind of started treating pilot skill three as the freebie. You know, everybody gets pilot skill threes. You get some points back if you suck up and take some pilot skill twos and you uh, you lose points going up, you know, four and five uh, based on uh, on what you what you want to put out there. But you know, I, I it, like that, too. I like that approach, too. I, I like. Yeah, I, I liked it because I, I always felt it, it felt a little strange that I was paying anyway for substandard pilots. I always felt like, shouldn't I be rewarded for taking a bunch of these rookies out there, uh, taking a bunch of nuggets airborne and not getting them shot down? I should have some benefit. Um, but I understand why they're trying to do it to create a, a linear game balance. Um, but in a scenario like this, you know, once again, I think it, it's really up to the players to decide, okay, you know, how are we splitting up those, uh, those pilot skills to make it equitable? And that's the thing I'm eager for as we get deeper with this Malta thing is, you know, even if we just take these, some of these scenarios, if not all of them and work them in is to more clearly define what the elements are and what the skill levels are and all that. Partly because I got to know how many aircraft I got to paint too. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, the good thing about this scenario is the alert specifically has a whole chunk in there about the alert. You know, hey, if too many enemy aircraft are on the table, you get extra dice to to sound the alert. Uh, you get a lot of dice if you end up with you know more than twelve enemy aircraft plus multi-engine. You get another die. You know, it it kind of gives you this feeling that the more things you can stack up in your favor, uh, the alert will eventually get sounded and, and either your ground launch interceptors can uh, take off or you can bring in your uh, your airborne interceptors. So it's, it seems like a pretty cool game. Scenario nine, another bomber centric one, um, but it's really, it's an attempt to get home at that point. So uh, I haven't I thought taken this one was really clever. The, yeah, I haven't taken a that... detailed look at it. It seems, it seems kind of interesting, but I'll be honest that when I looked at it, I'm like, Okay, that one's going to be fairly straightforward mechanics. I'm just trying to break through it, so I haven't really read through it um, to see uh, to see where some of those those tweaks are in there, or where some of those those key uh, game design components are. Um, it seems like it's basically an attempt to to having to run through all those guys, get the last of your uh, last of your dudes through, and get your escorts back uh, to or get your escorts close enough to um, to be able to escort the bomber uh, and and drag them back home. Then there's scenario 10. Now, scenario 10 seems really cool, except the way that we normally play. <laughs> uh, because once again, it, it's geared on, on the front lines and it's, and it's really geared on, um, on building out this narrative element um, and, and being able to get in there, do something you know, resembling uh, close air support uh, or, or to be able to do some, some at least interdiction bombing that would influence the influence the front lines. But, but here's the problem: uh, the 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 variant they have in there is really for supporting bolt action or cruel seas. <laughs> Neither of which do I play right now. <laughs> so it 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 doesn't help me to make to want to play the scenario because I go, oh. Man, I gotta find somebody who wants to be playing bolt action, and now I gotta borrow somebody's army. Or can you oh. not play it without the other, without you, the crossover? You can, you can, but I don't think it's anywhere near as cool. Because without the crossover, you're not flying from one board into another. Um, variant two is is the spotter piece of it, which 
um, is is kind of interesting to me. It's not as as interesting as as really trying to do a close air support attack. Um, but the uh, the the fact is the 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 overarching goal of this scenario was to be able to make a crossover from bolt action to cruel seas, where you fought your way in, put your single aircraft into that other game, um, and then played it out. Because the way it's the way it's designed is you place your aircraft more than six inches away from the quote front line. Um, the other guys are six inches behind the front line and you, you basically alternate playing all of your, all of your elements there. Um, and then the, the whole point to attacking is to be able to enter quote unquote, the front lines. There's really not a mechanic for the tables kind of divided up in like my side, your side kind of thing. Is yeah. It? Yeah. There's, and there's really not a mechanic for, um, for expanding your payload uh not in a bolt action or cruel seas environment okay uh, i think it's so, cool that they included that because i think there's some obvious crossover for uh the other game systems uh whether you know most players play the other systems or not it's cool that they included that as something and I, I know when we were talking to john when we had john in here that was one of the things he was highlighting was he, he talked several times and it, it kind of led me to read into the rules a little bit more about diving into other tables. And um, that's where I got that. And, and, and I won't lie, thinking about that and the way those mechanics would work and how cool that would be, it, it's the same stuff we're trying to do in the 30K place where we're trying to relate, you know, Adeptus Titanicus 30K and, you know, in the future, Zone Mortalis, um, yeah. Battlefleet, yeah. Battlefleet Gothic, and then in Battlefleet Gothic, having Zone Mortalis battles that are taking place in Battlefleet Gothic and relating multiple tables together in these huge campaigns. I, I mean, it's a gateway drug, without a doubt. It's something right. that may get me playing um, bold but, action. I mean, but, not that I haven't been looking at it, but... Let, let me let me spoil the fun for you at, at one point. The We're used to playing combined campaigns where what you're doing on the zone mortalis table is putting some influence into the overall campaign tracker what they're doing yep. on the team table is doing the same the problem with this is it relies on two simultaneous games going oh. uh, and so that's that's where um it becomes a little difficult and, and i do like what they do for cruel seas uh because for bolt action it's really you're coming in and providing kind of like an immediate air so if you enter the action in bolt action you're available the next turn in that bolt action game and then in bolt action you would finish that up you place it back on the blood red skies table so there's going to be a delay there but where kind of gets the game out of order is in cruel seas you can hang out and wait and so you can wait multiple turns in the quote-unquote cruel seas world um in order to amass enough aircraft for an airstrike <laughs> so i sit there and i go well, now I have to keep individually tracking guys I'm adding into the Cruel Seas game. We're, we keep playing the Cruel Seas terms, and, and in, in uh, Blood Red Skies, a lot can go on. What happens if a squadron in that next turn gets you know, enough boom chits to get sent home? I'm like, well, crap, did I just lose the guys that were in the Cruel Seas uh, game, or do they get to attack before they go home? You know, just, just a few questions like that. And once again, that's, that's house rule kind of stuff. That's individual, you know, cool crossover event kind of questions you answer. Um, but it made my head hurt trying to think about playing yeah. two, two separate tables simultaneously and having to go, okay, even though we finished this bolt act or this uh, blood red skies turn, we got to stop because we got to see if that fighter survives and comes back into the, into the game next turn. I'm less yeah. well read on scenario 10, but I didn't take it that way. I, I was expecting it to be something where you and I play a game of, you know, blood red skies. 
then you know maybe the next weekend you come over and we pick up where we left off in our cruel seas game and apply whatever modifiers no, from that no, previous game and it that is kind of it is truly flying into that game so flying okay. down and into a bolt action uh, event or flying down into cruel seas really neat when you got all of the stuff synced up I, I just think it'll be i would love to see it in practice to see how that timing works out because once again i don't play bolt action don't play cruel seas don't know how fast those those games move uh, compared to blood red skies that can that can move pretty fast maybe the answer is put more aircraft into the blood red skies game so it slows down <laughs> no i think the obvious answer here is we need to get with andy chambers and freaking john russell and tell them they just need a one 200 scale everything game we just we just need epic blood red skies that's what we need i mean that's where we're going oh, oh yeah because andy didn't ruin my life enough with epic the first time around in the 40k you, universe you, andy can get you on epic 2.0 no no <laughs> The World War Andy, II if you're listening to this, I hate you. <laughs> oh. He loves you, Andy. He's got a pillow with your picture on it. That he I hate you, Andy night. Chambers. <laughs> one of those big waifu pillows. I know that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna get Doug one of those man pillows of Andy Chambers. <laughs> this podcast has gone downhill <laughs> rapidly. <laughs> rapidly. So, so you know, I guess I'm gonna ask this. So, is that what it's like at Wargamer Camp? Did you guys do a lot of snuggling? Did you did you snuggle there with your uh, your game design heroes? You know what? It was it was absolutely. I gotta say, a blast. Um, you can tease me as much as you want. Yes, Chris went to camp. Chris went what? to camp. He was awesome. Chris Chris went to camp and got classes from Henry Steele, one of the best painters from the UK. Chris got a detailed freaking 3D printing class on resin printing which oh by the way the blood red skies models that are out there for freaking resin printing suck so if we're gonna go down that rabbit <laughs> hole we're gonna have to learn cad too um which i, I don't know if i got that no, kind of that's, investment. that's not gonna happen but we i mean it was amazing okay, it was, don't, don't spoil all the don't don't spill all the beans and spoil all i the even beans. found a boyfriend for brett i mean i i i just it was a great does weekend. he wear ranger panties that's all i want to know uh, so, you know what i <laughs> guarantee you i guarantee you <laughs> the, the the conversations that emails i was getting from matt as he was driving back from wargamers camp to gainesville today he was like dude here's the list of crap i bought brett said he's playing japanese and my uncle was a freaking or my great-grandfather was a a freaking marine in freaking world war ii and here's every marine thing on freaking amazon and it's coming tomorrow so uh, that's yeah fine. He's as on. long as you explain the wargamers wardrobe for brett's house i mean it's well see the only thing i'm worried about with matt, black socks matt, ranger panties and a green t-shirt I, I, i'm the only that's thing right. i'm worried about with matt is matt is also an ultramarine player and i'm just oh there's gonna be some ultramarine love just too much bathhouse blue going on yeah. in that relationship uh, so we're gonna have to keep love, close Robbie. tabs on brett yeah yeah so, yeah. so. freaking but... old <laughs> Well, tell us, oh, Chris, like you, come join us in the pain. <laughs> you were sending us pictures when you were there, and you were saying you got a bunch of games in, and you 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 uh, shared the game with a bunch of folks. There I did, I did, I got new starts. Right? I got, you know, and the funny thing that that seemed to resound across the community is that it was a lot of the guys that were prior military that wanted to play Blood Red Skies, and um, we had a Blood Red Skies going right next to a um, Flames of War. And that was pretty neat, you know, not that they were crossing over, but it was just neat, you know, that there was this whole it, with everybody. And that was on 40K day. And all of us were kind of like, OK, let's get the smelly 40K players out of here as fast as we oh, can. They only me. came for one. Oh, dude, they only love came me. for one event. And it was like we were walking around and go, yep, gray army, gray army, gray army, gray army. <laughs> 
Primer was the But I have a Thunderhawk. It's it's awesome. I do. I've got the latest and the greatest army ever. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm an independent character now. and I, I feel only good stuff. Uh, but yeah. Um yeah, it was bad. But anyway, but, I, but yeah, there were a lot of guys that were really interested. I said I had three guys. Why well, was there three guys order the box set? Nice. So nice. they were all like, Hey, this is this is exactly what I was looking for. I was looking for something that's not high stress. It was I was telling you, it's kind of funny. There were some guys that were driving up from Bragg that are military. And they they went by Wright Patterson Air Force Base on the way up. And oh, Fort Bragg has them... supply officers too. So no. <laughs> I don't know if I can say this on a podcast, but first Special Forces group, some psyops guys. Yeah, they, they, no, they were they were Ranger panty guys, but they were they were Brits kind of Ranger panty guys. You know, <laughs> fanboy Ranger <laughs> exactly fanboy Ranger panty guys. <laughs> snake eater kind of guys uh, yeah, they, they all went by ray Pedersen and they walk in and they're all wearing like one of them had a memphis bell t-shirt and it's like i got a game for you <laughs> stop so, hanging yeah, out was, with you people it, you're disturbing it was it was a good freaking result it was a good turnout and i finally got some freaking games in now the now i've just got to find some local players well brian over in freaking lansing's all in so he's he's already bought nice. a seven good. paint so hopefully well I, I i think there's a yeah. moment of military history here we have to lay flat because What's because we don't know our audience and so we know there's a couple of veterans in our audience thank mm-hmm. goodness there's some devil dogs out there uh we know there's probably some army you know there's definitely some air force uh, out there with Mitch and some of the other guys. So we have to lay flat what Ranger panties are because they may not know. So Devil Dogs, if you know what silkies are, those horrible, horrible shorts we've had for years at the exchange that only come in one size, mm-hmm. extra small. Uh, the Rangers have them as well, but they wear them in black and they still have them. They haven't gotten them rid in their service. So <laughs> we'll leave that there. In the regiment, that's right. The regiment still wears them. They the rest female Rangers now too, right? That's got to work out well. I'm not touching that one with the 10 foot pole. <laughs> We're moving on. <laughs> anyway, War Gamers Camp was a blast. Um, yeah. Hopefully they're going to do it next year. I don't know where the site's going to be. There was some serious talk about it moving out the Pacific because this is the second year it's been held. Um, if you've got time and you want to get into everything, I mean, I played 30K, I played Battletech, I played Dust, I played Blood Red Skies, I watched games of Flames of War, I watched people playing Bolt Action. It was it was everything, everything, everything. So I'm going to throw the gauntlet down because yep. in case I know they're not listening to the podcast, but after I call them and make fun of them, maybe they'll listen to this episode. Mm-hmm. So Veteran Gamer Reloaded, Slaughterfest next year. You better bring War Games Camp out there to the West Coast. San Diego at the casino, having a good time. I think it would be a perfect place for it. So, but the thing is, you gotta, but you gotta get the camp experience in there. So it could go San Diego, but what? it needs to, you go have out to have stinky people around. <laughs> you need to go out in Santee, it needs to go out in the desert, dude. I'm telling you, just just having that freaking aura where the whole world goes away for four freaking days, <laughs> and you just you just I you just consume yourself with freaking beer. Oh, Michael Montalago came from freaking RFI, and he made Texas brisket. I, I'm I'm still I ran this morning because I'm I'm it's gonna take me I'm thinking three to four weeks to get the calories off from four days <laughs> of War Gamers Camp. Thank you, Emily and freaking Ryan Kimmel. Um, you guys are the greatest. But yeah, I'm serious. If you guys get a chance to get a War Gamers Camp, I think we had 50 this year. It's like 400 bucks. It's four days. It, all your foods included. It, it is a great experience. Henry Steele is committed. Oh, wait, to and and here. and you got a camp sash, didn't you, to put all your little I your did. little we activities had merit on badges. merit badges? We, How we special! We absolutely had merit badges. We had merit badges. We got beer glasses. We got three posters. We got dog tags. 
Let's dude, just leave it I at love, merit, merit badges. It. Really? Merit badges? Really? Oh, no, dude. They yeah. straight up own it. The year before, it was kind of funny because they got fanny packs with Velcro on it to put the things on. But they ordered them from some store in China. And it said, like, adult large. And when they got there, they were, like, adult large starving Chinese size. <laughs> so needless to say, for some of the war gamers we had at camp, it was going to take three or four of those fanny packs to get around their, Excellent. their, Excellent. their manliness. So, yeah. So this this year we they went with sashes and I, they went the opposite direction this year I, I i i don't know if this is what i have is so much a sash or a hammock so... <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> but no, dude it was uh... a great time they, they those guys just put on such a great show um we had australians there we had we had a guy from denmark dudes covered in freaking viking tattoos and plates world eaters and came over just for Wargamers camp. I mean, nice. if you want to talk about the nerdiest, nerdiest dudes and some of the coolest dudes in Wargaming that live for Wargaming, Wargamers camp is a place for you. It is just an absolute blast. Most People excellent. think about the look of your planes because you were busy uh, cranking out some really nice looking Spitfires, if I recall. So no, it was I was doing the the, the Yak threes from the Normandy Nema. So the okay. uh, the Free French group that flew in, oh, and right, I right. actually got those on the board and shot down some folk whips with them, which was very rewarding but yeah it, like i said when, yes when i actually read the rules out, it's amazing <laughs> I when i read, read the, rules. the rules i can hey, actually not play only I, not only did i read the rules i taught the rules and i taught everything right oh i'm gonna say we ruined the a whole maneuver rule so the outmaneuver rule was the one thing i did get wrong so <laughs> nice uh, work yeah so sorry so, Duncan. so but yeah it was it was good stuff man i had i had an absolute ball because it was just the best to, to go out there That's and good. play i got my cmat in today and I'm thinking about seriously investing, by the way, guys, Deep Cut Studios, those guys are the absolute bomb. Those guys get mats here from Lithuania in seven days. So if you're looking for some Blood Red Skies mats, those guys are amazing. And I think for $10 What, what mat there, was that that you got in again? So I got the ocean mat from them. Ah, uh, ocean. Okay, I, I heard so, something totally different. Yeah, right. I got the ocean mat, and I've got the village mat from them, too. So oh, Or they're not the village mat, but the farmland mat. Okay. I like and, that farmland mat. I know. I'm looking at I, what I'm going to try to do. I think for what we've got coming up at Adepticon, hint, hint, hint. I think I'm going to one. We need to look at a custom, some custom Malta mats. I'm even thinking of doing a double mat, like we could get like eight people around, you know, Winston Churchill in the bunker style, pushing airplanes around, and maybe do one of the corners of the island of Malta as like a, you know, I'm thinking an eight by six. You see the tiny war games Malta mat? It's pretty stellar for six months. I'm thinking bigger though, man. I'm thinking okay. we're gonna get everybody around and Malta is gonna be like the culmination of Adepticon. But we we can talk about that ad nauseum later. But uh, I'm also Chris, thinking I, about I do I do remind you uh how short you are and how are you reaching the center of a six foot table are we like holding you out to move your models no i told you winston churchill style i'm gonna get one of those little wooden things you yeah little wooden things to push it along i'm gonna have oh, one little, little blood red skies hoop on it so i can push that, that won't forward. create any more blood red skies uh, <laughs> like our uh, all of our movement templates and everything uh, knocking everything over i thought one of the threat was going to come unglued two weekends ago when uh we had everything all the magnetic stuff sticking together and knocking it over. <laughs> oh, i can see that with aim airplanes sticking together oh, god <laughs> tape measure you know it's yep it's your tape measure i haven't had that happen yet but yeah, as soon as yeah, you said it was it was, it was pretty funny so you you want to talk about watching some two ocd people lose their minds it's you know trying to uh to do this all with the wrong tools no, but one of the things I was thinking about with 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 Deep Cut Studios doing custom mats, I mean, it would not be hard to draw the flight decks of all these different carriers with Midway coming up, hint, hint, 
um, from from Blood Red Skies and doing a, a six five by four print that's just ships and islands and ground targets and stuff that we can throw about throw out on our neoprene mat and just you know get a six by four printed and cut it when it comes to the house into individual little pieces. So I'm sure the the deep cuts to you guys would probably be all for it. So just something yes. to add a little bit of depth. You can break out all your crafting supplies, your rotary knife and uh absolutely you know, man tools. <laughs> so yeah, you can call all your girlfriends and have them bring over their quilt supplies. <laughs> <laughs> You knew I was going there. You, you said that. So, you just like underhanded that softball right across the plate. Oh, all righty. I think we bored everybody enough. Everyone's like, God, all this we've just sounded into complete banter. No, I, I tell you what, we, we're not a ramble cast, and and from what I've been told by other people, they actually like it when we ramble. Oh, we have plenty of rambling we could do, and we'll do that the absolutely. Next absolutely uh, and and you know this is kind of a point for uh all of the listeners out there because i know some of you are actually listening to the podcast because i see the stats uh, all three of you thank you very much for downloading our podcast no uh but for those of you that are listening you know please give us some feedback we'd love to hear either in the blood red skies ready room uh some specific topics you want us to talk about specific rules questions you have uh, don't feel that everything has to be run immediately to Andy Chambers because the man is actually busy trying to release war games. So, you know, run some things past us. We'll discuss it on the air. You know, we'll we'll give some feedback from what the wargaming community thinks. And when we're at a rules impasse, we'll just go to Andy and the Grand Poobah himself will decree how it's going to be. Okay, you yeah, who's ready to start? Yeah, man. Okay. <clears throat> Let me collect my thoughts for once. Put on my very white voice. <laughs> <laughs> You're more like Chef from freaking South Park. <laughs> Fuck you. Oh, I never liked your What's assholes up, anyway. crackers? <laughs> exactly. Oh, Sounds God. like a potential outtake for an intro. That, that is definitely an outtake. I've, I've already been amassing my outtake lips. And that's thank a God good the, outtake, man. Thank God the recording was on because that's going on the outtake reel. All right. Try to get serious here so I don't have to totally mute everyone else in the background. <laughs>